Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May podcast. I did do awesome. How was that uh, intro? That was great. And, you know, about to take the show on the road with going to Burma, Texas for a few days to talk to some recruits. The truth is I'm actually already there, but uh, it's it, it's a worldwide podcast and we're covering that globe on our uh, Tim May podcast private plane. Yeah, you're back to the future right now, you know, and, uh, you know, we do we, truth in advertising. Uh, we, we are uh, we are recording this before you and Berm hit the hit the, the, the big blue skies on the way to the great state of Texas where the stars are bright uh, or stars are uh, at night are big and bright. Uh, speaking of stars at night, big and bright, I know you guys are going to drop in on Quinn Ewers uh, for sure. The pledge to the high state 2022 class. You're under the impression he's extremely uh, stuck with that pledge, right? Yeah, that's that's what he said. And I'm waiting to uh, hear that straight out of his mouth and, and talk to him and get to know him a little bit better. We've also got, you know, our, our annual position um, previews series coming at Letterman Row starting next week with quarterback. So uh, there'll be a lot of Quinn Ewers talk, a lot of uh, Stroud, Jack Miller, uh, you know, Kyle McCord as well. Um, but it, it fits nicely that we get to go talk to that crown jewel, the number one quarterback in the country. Uh, some believe the best player overall in the country uh, and hear his thoughts because it's going to be interesting. And it's, as we've said a number of times, uh, there's one football, there's one guy who can play that spot at a time. And you're talking about now uh, 19 recruiting stars out of a possible 20. Uh, that'll be tough to, to manage as always, but uh, just his thoughts on that and, and his relationship with Ryan Day and Corey Dennis, Kevin Wilson, and, and what uh, he sees for his future. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about on last week's podcast, I mean, this has become, I don't know if you want to call it quarterback you, but it's definitely quarterback you this year with three guys in the running for the starting job. And then next year you got a five-star coming in and Quinn Ewers who would, would like to compete for the job immediately, obviously. And it's mm -hmm. interesting because on my podcast today, uh, my special guest is the father of the, of the last five-star uh, quarterback to start for Ohio State by the name of Justin Fields. Pablo Fields is going to I'm going to be on the podcast here in a few minutes, and we're going to discuss everything that went on leading up to the draft. But, you know, what's next sort of for his son and what's it like to be the father of somebody in that kind of at one point a maelstrom, you know, yeah. but it, it cleared up pretty well for him. Uh, the tornado dropped him in Chicago with the 11th pick <laughs> in the first round of the NFL draft. As I said last week, not too shabby, right? It wound up being a great spot for him. And, these, you know, a lot of times these things work out the way they're supposed to. So, it, uh, you know, a lot of interesting stuff to go on, uh, you know, a wild three, four months, a wild three years uh, or more for that Fields family. And um, these these thoughts, that's obviously going to be a great conversation and, and look forward to hearing all of that before we come back. And as you say, chop it up. Well, hey, you know what? Without further ado, let's get to that conversation. We're going to come back and we're going, you know, if this – if this show has a theme, it's about transfers, you know, one way or the other. And uh, we all know Justin Fields transferred to Ohio State after after really less than a year at Georgia. And uh, Ohio State, as we all know, and we'll talk about it when we get back, has benefited greatly from transfers over the last few years. So, you know, what the Lord giveth, the Lord sometimes taketh away in college football. And, you know, we'll talk about Jameson Williams and some of the other things that have happened over the last uh, couple of weeks. But then moving forward, how things are impacting Ohio State. Uh, where you see they could be going yet again in the transfer portal. But, you know, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Pablo Fields. 
And as promised, ladies and gentlemen, I'm joined on the Tim May podcast by a fellow I've been looking forward to talking to for a while. Pablo Fields, welcome to the Tim May podcast. Thank you, Tim. I'm uh, glad to be here. I listened to quite a few of them uh, while being a Buckeye, and I love the way you guys uh, cover the Buckeyes, and uh, it just was great. Love uh, Austin. Uh, met him on a plane going out to uh, Miami, and he's a great dude, so yeah. love everything. Hey, uh, yeah, we try to do our best, man, to give – I mean, we're the most – we're the basically the most watched website out there when it comes to Ohio State football coverage, and I was glad to join them after I retired from the Columbus Dispatch after about 37 years of being the beat writer on Ohio State football for those guys. And uh, But I always – like uh, Awesome Ward, I call him Awesome Ward. You call him Austin. But uh, he's always on my podcast every week as a, as a little guest. And, you know, we were just talking about one of the thrills is meeting not just the players but – players, families, et cetera, seeing where they're from, what, what's, what's the background behind them and stuff. And it's been a long time coming, uh, having you on my podcast. But uh, just how proud are you sitting here right now, a little over a week removed from the 2021 NFL draft and watching your son, who you, you've known since he was n- no big, since he was this big, become a first-round draft pick, 11th player taken in the, uh, in the uh, 2021 draft by the Chicago Bears. Uh, how cool, as you look back on it now, how cool is it to have watched that, to have witnessed that, and to see how far he's come? Uh, it's it's bittersweet. Uh, you know, uh, COVID last year and not going to those tailgates, the Ohio State fans, yeah. man, the hospitality there, going from the hotel where we let the boys go and going down to the parking lot there. And we didn't get that last year, you know. We feel like we got robbed a year. So it's kind of bittersweet moving on. But, uh, you know, I am proud and proud of him and the work he's put in and uh, just to go on and uh, live his dream out and uh, be a professional football player. It's it's great. It's uh, new challenges and new stress, you know, put on your plate. But it's, it's great to move on to the next challenge and the next chapter. Pablo, he's always stepped up, right? And uh, you, you, I would think you, you know, this isn't blowing smoke. I would think you would expect him to step up again, right? I mean, uh, it is a new challenge, a new chapter. As the old saying goes, when you're a little kid, you're playing up. You know, <laughs> some some kids are just are, are better at it than others. But uh, uh, you you expect him to handle it, don't you? I really do. I mean, he's had challenges that you know weren't written about or talked about on podcasts, you know, throughout his uh, whole career from Little League, uh, having a challenge at quarterback there to, uh, you know, high school, middle school, uh, of course, college and moving on to Ohio State from Georgia. I mean, he's had a lot of challenges and a lot of adversity and it's it's only helped him. It's only made him stronger. So, we hate going through the storms. You always hate going through those storms of adversity, but man, you come out stronger on the other side. So they're always, uh, they are always good for them. Yeah. I'll get to that. The latest tempest in a minute, but I want to ask you this. He had a peewee. There was a, there was a team he was on as a peewee quarterback who uh, maybe they had a doubt about whether he should be the starter. What, what was the hint there? You give me, I bet it was the coach's son, right? <laughs> no, actually, I was the coach, oh. and I, I think a lot of of the parents, uh, you, you know, everybody gets a trophy nowadays. They yeah. they wanted their son to be like 
my son. I mean, I would break down the stats. I was like, you know, my kid touched the ball. He carried the ball seven times. I know he went to the house four times, but your kid carried the ball 15 times and he never went to the house. So I, I can't, you know, I had it all uh, broke down analytically for him, but it's, it's still, uh, it, it was his own challenges, but some pretty good quarterbacks actually, uh, I gave in and cause they thought Justin was the better athlete. And I, you know, made my own son play tailback and the quarterback that, uh, played he went on to play for uh pn and now he's at uh western carolina uh ryan glover so wow. some good quarterbacks in the in the challenges uh that uh he went through coming up so yeah uh how did you explain things like that to him though i mean when he was coming up and stuff that there would be challenges and what did you see about him that told you he was maybe special in that regard forget about his athletic ability but of embracing you know, a challenge because a lot of kids shy away from things like that. Uh, they were, they weren't easy, but I mean, he can, you know, he can go play running back and, you know, get a bunch of touchdowns. I'm talking about in that situation. Uh, yeah. But uh, he, he, he took them head on and he always got better from them. I'll never forget the, uh, you know, in the 10th grade, as a 10th grader in high school, I mean, he just, Every time he throw incompletion, they'd be like, "Hey, come sit beside me." You know, he he, he just went through it, and yeah. uh, you know, the next year he told me, "Hey, uh, I'm not coming out of the game next year." And he put in the work. You know, you saw that black truck leaving the house at six thirty, and he'd have a bag of balls, and uh, he'd go throw into the lacrosse net because no receivers were going to come and get up an hour and a half early to catch for him. So, uh, you know, he put in the work wherever he, uh, you know, met adversity. Wait a minute. <clears throat> this sounds like we've scripted this whole thing. I'm shocked. What do you mean? You, he, what, you mean he wasn't last in, first out when he was a kid? Nah, nah, none of that. None of that. No. Pablo, he, when you, Pablo, when you heard that, when you read that, et cetera, and people made a, you know, I'm talking about a build up to the draft. Everybody knows what I'm talking about because, Awesome, awesome Ward and I, we've dissected that a million times. We just like, it's funny. It's funny what people say either to bring a person down or to get attention. You know, it's all about clicks in this world anymore, one way or the other. But when you heard and read, when you read and saw that as a father, what was your first reaction? You know what I'm talking about, that uh, the uh, the assessment that he was the last in, first out uh, mentality didn't really – get into the uh, film room much, blah, 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 when he was at Ohio State, which was exactly the opposite of what he was. What was your reaction? As a, Did you want to scream at somebody? Did you want to punch somebody? I know you're a former policeman, um, mm. uh, so you probably wouldn't want to punch somebody immediately, but you know what I'm saying. You'd have more restraint. But what was your reaction? Well, the reaction was that it bothered him. That's the one of the few things that bother him. You guys can say – pretty much anything and he's like he's got this bulletproof vest on or something nothing really bothers him but that was the one thing that uh that bothered there the uh the work because he knows the work you know that he puts in it the uh you know changing his diet we just took a little 28 day uh detox to try to lose a couple pounds during COVID and he stayed a vegan you know so uh yeah he's put in work uh he works all the time, you know, actually over COVID, I thought he was overworking because 
I was here and he was here and, you know, you're lifting weights, you're throwing and you're running all in one day. Do you do that much at Ohio State? Uh, no, probably not. But it was like he was working too much. So that's the only thing that bothered uh, him. And uh, it gets you it gets you prepared in high school. People don't really say mean things about high school kids and you've been protecting your kid all his life. I mean, from his little telling him not to go out in the street or stay out of the bushes or away from bees, you know, you've been protecting them. And then, you know, you get to this world and the world of social media where everybody has an opinion and they attack their character and everything else. So uh, if you don't want to be considered a crazy parent, I mean, there's plenty of responsive uh, that I've typed out, you know, responses to whatever, and then I deleted them. And then I was smart enough to just to stay off that stuff and not dive really deep into it. And, uh, you know, I just kind of didn't cut it on NFL network or ESPN during the last, uh, month. I kind of just stayed off of it and didn't listen to it and did other things. Yeah. As I said on my podcast last week, I said, if you're going to, and this isn't, you know, I'm not getting you to get into this debate, but uh, for example, if you're going to pick a quarterback in the, the the tryout game was Ohio State versus Clemson this past year, <laughs> you know, and uh, now it takes a village to make a quarterback. You know, let's, let's you know that you coach, you coach football, you played football, uh, but uh, you know, just, it just, I just thought that Clemson games told me everything I wanted to know about Justin Fields. Cause number one, he was quite prepared. Number two, he took one of the hardest hits I've ever seen a quarterback take. For Forget about whether he got up or not, but he got up and kept playing and had the greatest game by an Ohio State quarterback in a bowl game I've ever seen. And I believe me, I've seen about as many as anybody. And, uh, and, and Trevor's team got – Trevor Lawrence's team got beat. And we saw the beating he took, at, et cetera. But, uh, you know, what, what more did you really need to know as a pro scout about about the young man than that? You know, that's the way I looked at it. And I don't know, what was just your reaction of watching that game and watching your son rise to the occasion on so many levels that day, that night? Well, I'm pretty uh, superstitious. So, you know, I, I wouldn't take any hugs. You know, still yeah. the fourth, I remember his mom's dad trying to give me a hug. I was like, hey. I don't want Trevor Lawrence to have the greatest comeback in history and we lose this thing. No King Curry hug, none of that until the uh I think it was about three or four minutes I went on and relaxed and you know start celebrating a little bit. So uh yeah. yeah a great performance and you know, I knew he was hurt and I've I've been since high school, I've been telling him leave that spin move alone. I understand the circumstances in that that game. You, you remember the year before we kept getting threes when we should have got sevens. Yes. So we're two yards from the first down. He's trying to get a first down. But, hey, you know, that, that game, you got to leave it all on the field. So I understand the spin move there and, you know, not to slide and take the three. So, uh, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a great game, great feeling. It really was. Yeah. But I'm just like I'm getting to. I mean, I thought that if you wanted a, if you want a cons, if you wanted a consummate example of what Justin Fields is all about and what he can bring to your program, I'm talking about your pro football team. That would be the video to watch for all kinds of reasons. You know, the Alabama game was what it was. You know, Ohio State was shorthanded. I'm not making excuses. You lose Trey Sermon on the second play of the game, uh, et cetera. Everything was different about that day. Uh, but yeah. we move on. I wanted to ask you as as the uh, 
did, do you think the stuff that was said about him before the draft did affect where he was taken? But then again, I'll give you another feel too. Chicago almost had a parade when they got him, you know? So, yeah. you know, sometimes you're better as a quarterback to drop in the first round because you actually fall to a team that all it needs is a quarterback as opposed to a team that needs a quarterback, a left tackle, a right guard, and a uh, wide receiver and a running back. I mean, so just just give me sort of your feel for that, watching that that night, but seeing where he finally ended up. Uh, I, I mean, we, you know, had a family prayer before it. And my prayer leading, leading up to the draft was, you know, hey, God, let your will be done, you know, uh, He's he's only faced what other men have met. Other plenty of people have dropped. You know, it comes up a la Aaron Rodgers, where he was supposed to go number one and went all the way in the 20s. So yeah. we're only but what other men have met, and it's happened before. So uh we just want to uh you know, all things work together for the good. I know that's, you know, a, a, a verse and it's kind of cliche, but it but it really does. It it works out and you know, where he went is is great. Uh and we're excited about it. And it's funny when we played Northwestern, I guess in 19, we played Northwestern. My, my wife and I, we were down on Michigan Avenue. It was October. The weather was good. And we were just sitting out, people watching. I was like, man, I would love for him to come here. And, uh, hey, it, it happened. So uh, Chicago wanted him. And, uh, you know, I was eavesdropping in on the Zoom call with the uh, coach. Uh, he was home then. And uh, I just just really liked what he was saying, and it felt like that they really wanted him, and I wanted him to go to a place that wanted him. I didn't want to go him to go to a place where the GM wanted him, but the head coach didn't. I didn't want to get into that, you know, Pandora's box of who wanted him and who didn't. The organization, everything is all in, so that's where we want to be. Yeah, I was gonna say they moved they moved a lot of pieces on the chess on the chessboard to get to him too. I mean that's. You know, like you said, I mean, everything was set up and the GM and the head coach were, were literally right on line with what they wanted. And they, they couldn't believe, I think, as things developed because, you know, you can't give away the whole franchise to get a guy. <laughs> but the way it worked out, and you're right, I mean, I think Chicago, man, it's like Big Ten City. It's where the Big Ten headquarters, et cetera, is, a, is around there, et cetera. It's a, it's a great fit for him. Hey, real quick, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I refuse to, to uh, comment on this because I knew – about his situation with epilepsy a couple of years ago, but it was not news to me from the standpoint of that's something that you, that you either that person volunteers it or you don't, you don't write about it. You don't report it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it really never affected his, his football playing from what I saw, et cetera. When that came out, did that bother you at all? That did you feel like uh, a little bit of like maybe uh, private information about, your son had been had been exposed and and obviously you know he he owned up to it for one of another term uh, you know the night after the draft when he was at the night of the draft when he was asked about it and stuff but uh, just what what if because what did it feel like I guess as a parent to see that exposed I guess when it was because it seemed to me to be another sort of swing at the pinata if you follow my drift yeah, it was and you know we I won't go into how it did surface or become public, you know, all the stuff that was thrown out to, uh, to make him hopefully drop. But, but actually it was a a relief to us. I mean, uh, it like the bandaid was ripped off and it was, you know, it's finally out. So it wasn't, you know, it was like, I mean, it was 
bad for a couple of hours. And it was like, mm, cool. They're either going to take him or not. He's never missed a practice, a day of school, a football game, or anything else because of it. So, you know, whoop you do. So, yeah. Hey, so, it's Band-Aid ripped off. It's out. We're, we're good. What is it like as a father to see your son – Basically, you know, you know what he's going to make. Everybody knows how much money he's going to make over the next several years because it's public knowledge. <laughs> what is it like to see him if he plays his card right, if he puts his money in the right in the right bank, you know, set up basically for life? What does that do for a father? You know what I mean? From a, I don't know if a, uh, what's the word of uh, a feeling of confidence, whatever, about your son's future from from a financial standpoint. Yeah, I just. Just hope he takes care of it. He, uh, you know, he makes it to, to to give it away, you know, to give it away, live comfortably. Don't, you know, we want to be a, uh, you know, a reservoir, not a dam. So you're blessed to be a blessing. And, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully he's he's smart with it. It's just uh, more money, of course, than than I've ever made being a policeman <laughs> or yeah. even scratching the surface. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm proud and fine with the money but you know as long as he can just do uh, what he loves to do and uh you know what i try to tell him is there is plenty of fun to have when you retire yeah. trust me just go ahead and uh do what you got to do be a great quarterback now put your put your work in and you know you'll have plenty of time to, to spend that when when you retire because you know as well as i do nfl not for long we never know when that career is going to end and uh you know, there's life after if even if he goes Tom Brady, whenever Tom Brady does, there's still plenty of life after 45. I think you're a couple of years older than 45 and you know that there's yeah. plenty of life after 45 to uh, have a good time. So, hey, what do you what are you trying to say about me? I look old. No, I'm just joking, man. Nah, I'm, nah, I'm 67. Nah. I own up to it. But I did see an old press conference and and I forget which game it was. It was in an old brick uh, room and I was like, "Hey, that's Tim May right there!" Like Ohio State stuff I was watching. So you've been covering it a while. So. Yeah, I've been covering it a while, man. I tell you what, I've changed. I'm, yeah. I'm, whatever, but you know what? I'll tell you something, Pablo. I've never hit a golf ball farther than I hit it now. So you know, it's all about you know, you know, the moves, the technique. You, you follow me? I guess so. I just took my first uh, golf lesson a couple weeks ago. I went out Saturday and took another one. So I can't play uh pickup basketball anymore. Just the knees won't do it and carrying too much weight. So I got to yeah. figure out how to do this golf thing. But I, I want to ask you, has anybody ever learned to play golf faster than your son? Because I don't think he had ever hit a golf ball until about a, basically when he told us maybe, maybe for fun one time, but I think he, he's become a pretty decent golfer, hasn't he? Yeah, he, unfortunately unfortunately he can do everything i mean yeah. he just I, I thought every kid was like that you know he's he's my only boy and uh yeah. he could he could do so many things and uh i'll tell you a story the i went to coach t-ball when he was i guess four yeah four you know they get the dads just up and coach and i thought all the boys could catch and throw like him and i and i told a kid hey you got your glove ready ready and i threw the kid at the Threw the ball at the kid and hit him dead in the eye. His mom came out of the bleachers and like cussed me out. And just I was like, ah oh, man, I thought all so I realized he was different yeah. at the time. But he, he can pretty much do everything pretty pretty good. Hey, if he didn't play football, what would have been his sport in your opinion? What would what would he what do you what 
what would he been, you know, what would have been his best, I guess, uh, avenue other than football? Oh, baseball, definitely. Yeah. He, I think he's there, honestly. I, he just played it without pressure. I mean, uh, but here, you know, baseball games, it's pretty big here, but you got 85 people in the stands for a baseball game. But when you're the high school quarterback, there's 4,000 people in the stands. So, you know, yeah. He was, but he was a really good uh, baseball player. And he stopped playing basketball in the eighth eighth grade. It's just hard to do three sports in high school. But he was a really good basketball player, too. Yeah, it's funny because I've got three kids. i got two boys and a girl and my middle kid, Corey. He was just a natural baseball player. He was fast like his mom. His mom ran was a high jumper and ran track in high, in, in, in high school and college at Ohio State, as a matter of fact. And, uh, but uh, but it, he just – he was a natural center fielder. You could put him at shortstop. He was a hell of a pitcher. You know what I mean? And I didn't mm-hmm. like baseball because I had to cover, I had to cover uh, uh, some major league baseball way back when, and I didn't like dealing with some of the play. You know what I mean? I just, a lot of things. I, and I said, of course, God blessed me with a good baseball player, you know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, it is amazing. These guys that can do it, man, they can do pretty much anything. Last thing. Uh, if there was a national, if there was the equivalent of the NFL for softball, would Jaden, where would you be sitting on top of another bonus baby here? I mean, uh, with Jaden, I mean, uh, at softball wise, no. she, she wants to do what you do. Really? She wants to get sidelines and and be Maria Taylor. She got in the school of uh, journalism at uh, UGA, and that's that's tough to get into. It wasn't all because of her GPA. It was the thing she was doing on the side, podcasts, YouTube videos, uh, things of yeah. that nature. So proud of her now she loves softball but uh she wants to uh she, she wants to do the reporting thing and the sports thing so that's her uh dream that uh she wants to do well she work if she works hard like uh if she works hard like justin etc i mean and and you know the thing i like about justin is he's engaging you know he's he's kind of like he's kind of studies the situation etc but he doesn't back down from a question you know we found that out about him and and uh I just, you know, I just really bummed me out that month leading up to the draft because, you know, that because you know a guy, you go out there and you scream another thing about him. But, you know, most people pay attention to the squeaky wheel. You know what I mean? And uh, and it was a joy, by the way, uh, being around and covering your son the last couple of years. I just want to let you know that, Pablo. Good. It was a jo- It was great the way you guys uh, covered him. So I, I just uh, loved the Ohio State media. Uh, I mean, even when he went uh, four for 13 in that spring game, you guys weren't too hard on him. Yeah. Uh, that was rough. I mean, I was like, man, he has a piece together offensive line. You got Chase Young and a uh, couple of uh, their full strength. Yeah. And you could touch him and he's down in a spring game, but just not seeing the, you know, the Justin that I know that can play. But you guys were fair and uh, great. And I just uh, enjoyed my time being a dad with uh, you guys covering Ohio State football. Hey, real quick, though, tell me something. When you watched, when you saw that spring game, we were all sitting there going, you know, because we didn't get to watch a lot of practice and stuff. And we're just going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is the guy? You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about from, yeah. a, from a stat standpoint. Uh what did you notice about him from that moment on that, you know, what did you like, I guess, about the way he reacted to like maybe not, you know, they're not being rose petals in front of him suddenly, if you follow my drift. It's, it's another adversity. It, it was adversity that that he he met head on. I mean, that, that was a tough – I mean, you know, part of Justin's game, you can't put a hand on him and you call it a sack. I mean, you just can't. So, you yeah. just put – 
all in the sack. And if you remember, we had like three offensive linemen out. Uh, they batted down before four for 13. I think they batted down about four balls. I mean, yeah. they were all in the offensive line on that day. And he didn't throw the ball, but, uh, uh, you know, 13 times. So uh, it was it was another uh, storm that we had to get through. That was a long, what was it, April till September. We started playing. Man, that was a long time to, uh, you know, let him get out there and prove himself. But when he got out there and the fourth play of that game, he ran that touchdown. Man, you're just talking about a monkey or a piano off your back. It's like, ah, oh, we're here. Uh, good. Yeah. We're good to go. I, I was going to say, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I think he still thinks, calls that one of maybe the greatest play or most important play he's had, you know, I mean, because it really, when you ease the tension of a hundred thousand people and maybe millions more watching on television, that hey, this guy does have the goods. You know, it it, it changes the it changes everybody's opinion, right? Or it changes everybody's outlook. It does. That was a that's the one I that's the one he remembers the most, and the one I remember the most. It was just like relief, you know. It was just like ah oh, man, oh thank God. But I want to tell you something, Pablo. Before you go, uh, that was a great run and stuff. But I'm telling you. Uh, I, I've said this to people on radio shows across the country. You know, I've been asked about him and all these kind of things. And uh, what got me about Justin is as 2019 went on, 2020 went on, when we got to watch him in game, he seemed he got better almost possession to possession in games. And you could see him become so much more of a polished passer, for example, you know, as it went along and stuff. Has he always had that about him of like, uh, not being content, but like getting better. I mean, if you watch that on him his whole life, if you follow what I'm saying there. Yeah. Yeah. Never, uh, never complacent, always trying to get better at his craft and uh, just do better and better. As I say, the, the, you know, the comment about him, how uh, that one is uh, not true. You know, yeah. they take the open and, uh progress i go to my first read why would you go to your second third <laughs> if your first i never played quarterback i was a linebacker but if the, your first option is open and that's that's going to move the change hey throw to it keep the change moving and and go down the field you know so yeah uh yeah he's uh always been a worker and you know never never comfortable and he wants to be the best he really does i spent half a podcast explaining that to people that college football the way ryan day designs plays and steve sarkeesian on at alabama and stuff it's it's all about getting a guy wide open and throwing the ball too i mean you know it's like we'll see with a progression i mean patrick mahomes has made a made a career out of spinning around and getting out of trouble and throwing the ball justin fields can do very much the same thing if he has to but he would prefer to run the offense, you know, and uh, yeah. that's where I think you'll be in good stead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just agreeing with you. Yep. Yeah. And last thing, does he have the wherewithal to be a franchise quarterback, from your opinion? You know, stepping back as a father, giving me an objective look. Uh, he's got the build. He's got the look. I think he's got the approach to the media and stuff that's almost perfect because, you know, just tell them what you got to tell them, you know, don't spill a lot of secrets, et cetera. But then he has the studious part. Uh, he wants to be better. Uh, what do you see five, ten years down the down the line for your son? You know, barring any kind of catastrophe, et cetera, does he have the goods to be a franchise quarterback? Yeah, I believe so. And I, that's that's our hope and prayer that we'll go one play, 
stay at. You know, that you doesn't through in this day and like it did back in the day, but you know, hopefully it's home there. Used to the cold weather, and uh, he will be a fast quarterback. Find me a spot in a suite, which they couldn't do at the horseshoe because everybody's same. and I couldn't any of those suites. It was one of the one of the guys in a suite one day, and he was he was he was flagging me up there, and I was like, man, I can't. Finally went up there, and I just just to get who it was. One of the rich guys that have has a suite. Yeah, and. And like a red alert. There's like, oh, Mr. Fields is in the suite. Mr. Fields. They had radio traffic, everything, calling me on my cell phone. I, it was like pregame. It was like an hour before the game. But I sure hope he's a you know, franchise quarterback. I'm getting up there in age and I can, you know, sit in the comforts of a night and get out of that weather, you know. Yeah. Well, I would say if there's anybody in Chicago that can afford to get you a suite, if in fact it doesn't work, it would be your son at this point. He not only has connections, but he has the wherewithal, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, they t- uh, we went to Chicago last week when they uh, told us the price of the suite. Is, uh, I better bundle up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pablo, man, I'm going to have you on again, man, if you don't mind, down the road, man. We'll, we'll check yeah. in on your son because we're all curious on where this train is going. And I, I think the train's really just getting started. What's your, what's your take? That's what I hope, brother. I hope yeah. it's a tr- long track. Pablo Fields, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining the Tim May Podcast. All right. Thank you, Tim. Have a good day. You too. Yeah, uh, awesome. Um, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't properly uh, introduce my co-pilot, but I think everybody knows him <laughs> by now. Awesome. You know him as I don't Austin even need Ford. it. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i telling you, this guy's qualified to fly this plane, believe it or not. I know, I know you see him on every platform we have on LettermanRoad.com, but I <laughs> enjoy having him on ours because we're too uh, – well, I'm, I guess I'm a former beat writer. He's a beat writer and extraordinaire and keeping up with everything Ohio State. This is by far the best website to uh, catch up with anything that has to do with Ohio State, either past, present, or future. And uh, I'll leave it at that. There are some imitators out there, but there's only one genuine. That's the lettermanroad.com. But I digress. Well awesome. said. I'm not sure awesome. what else. The track record speaks for itself, so I, I don't know what else needs to be said. I was about to go off on a tangent there, but awesome. I pulled myself back because sometimes when you recognize an obscure website, you know, for something they did, which uh, was total fabrication out of whole from whole cloth. Uh, when they talk about yours truly, I'm talking about myself, about something. It really, really upset me a week and a half ago. Now I've let it kind of roll off my back. But I will say this for the record for anybody who happens to know what I'm talking about and was paying attention that night. Uh, I've never, ever spoken to Bud Foster, for example. And when Ohio State played Virginia Tech in 2014, when I was alleged to have done something, which I didn't do, I was uh, that whole day, I was at my son's wedding and then a uh, celebration afterwards. One of only three Ohio State football games I missed while covering Ohio State for the Columbus Dispatch over, what, 30 something years. So uh, I just leave it at that. Just be, you know, just be careful who you, who you take information from out there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, especially people who purport to be big time experts when in fact, you know, a lot of times they're just flat winging it and faking it. How about, how was that to Austin? Uh, I thought what was most bizarre about when you sent me that screenshot over the weekend, uh, we don't have to get into it, but I knew for a fact, I'm thinking that's one of the, that's the only game 
in uh, now 10 years for me that I've been in Columbus and covering this team and sitting next to you uh, in the press conferences in the Woody. That's the only game that you've not been there. I've missed more games than you. Yeah. Uh, we don't miss a lot, but um, I, the timing of that one instantly stood in my mind. I know for a fact that you didn't cover the Virginia Tech game. So yeah. uh, anyway. Well, it makes you, it just makes you wonder when somebody makes something totally up. And it wasn't just that. It was the other part of that, uh, that forum uh, paragraph that really, really set me off. Because <laughs> anyway, I won't get into it because I don't want to give it any more credence than it's due, which is basically me spitting on it on the ground and stepping on it. Uh, now, past that, <laughs> you guys, you and Berm, as we tape this, you and Jeremy Birmingham, a.k.a. Berm, uh, uh, as I call him, Birmingham, Alabama, you guys are headed or in the great state of Texas as people listen to this. Y'all are traveling around. So we're sort of time traveling here. But <laughs> that's one of my coolest things I ever I've ever done. I still do it from a, on occasion is get to see where some of these Ohio State uh, players are from. Just get a sense of uh, their background, what kind of helped them get to the heights they are now, you know, and get to visit with Quinn Ewers and travel around the Austin area hanging out, maybe the Houston area. I think you guys are doing that this week. I'm just promoting it because I think it's cool. Uh, you do get a sense for these guys, right? Yeah, and it's, you know, Berm and I love doing it. Berm, obviously, because he covers recruiting, can, you know, sit down and have some of the in-person uh, interviews, which he does so well with the Bermanology stuff. He's had to adapt a little bit more of that on Zoom, but uh, as we all have for the last year. But I like to go and, you know, meet their coaches and their families sometimes and, and write some deeper features about these guys, whether they're committed or not. Generally, I want them to be someone I know I'm going to cover. Uh, there's not a lot of value for me otherwise, but um, to write some of these longer, you know, longer form features, which I've done some really cool ones in the past and, you know, got right before COVID hit last March, a year ago, and Berm and I were doing this in the off season over to Virginia for Travion Henderson and North Carolina for Evan Pryor. And we were driving on the way back from uh, Evan Pryor, who was getting ready to, come visit Columbus and commit then. And we had to kind of, it was that weekend, we had to kind of finagle around, move some of the, you know, dateline pieces and, and timeframes because he gave us an interview where he's going to commit, waiting to post over the weekend. Well, he couldn't come. You know, that we had Tom Hanks, I think we're sitting, I'm sitting in the passenger seat and that comes up I'm like, okay, this thing is, is escalating. Um, <laughs> so it, it's, it's cool to get, we actually went, Ohio State canceled, the spring game while we were in the car. So we drove straight to the, once we got back, went straight to the horseshoe and, you know, shot a video. Like, what is this? Like what's happening? It's, it's serious. How does, you know, they still hadn't canceled pro day and all this other stuff at that point. We didn't know what was going to happen if they were going to finish camp. But anyway, that's all. The point is these things are really valuable and I love doing them. Uh, Texas is about it. We've done some in LA. We did that with CJ Stroud two years ago during his recruitment. Um, so an opportunity to get this opportunity back, I think is really important for me and Berm and Letterman Rowe. And, and we hope that people enjoy that coverage that's coming. I know his, uh, I know, I know this fellow's uh, college career hasn't panned out like he thought it would. Uh, maybe there's still one more shot. We'll see, but like Elijah Gardner, for example, I remember I went and visited with him and his family in Kemp, Texas, on my way to see my mom uh, one spring, <laughs> you know, the spring before he signed, the spring before he showed up at Ohio State. And he was running track that day. And, uh, and it's just cool because most of these guys are the superstars of their teams. Now, when you travel through the state of Texas, a lot of these teams like <laughs> South Lake Carroll, where Quinn Ewers is from, 
they got a lot of superstars <laughs> running around the field. Quinn Ewers plays in a stadium that seats over 20,000, you know, that they had to kind of rebuild when it developed cracks in it. But I mean, it's a, it's an infamous and famous stadium all at the same time and stuff. But uh, what is the coolest place you've been so far to, I mean, where you kind of got a, a sense of what that guy is from, you know what I mean? That, that young man, uh, what kind of yeah. molded him that kind of gave you for one another term. I mean, you know, you and I, we both get excited about, about football, about college football yeah. and stuff. And, and guys where, where they pull themselves up from the bootstraps or get shoved out in there, et cetera, depending on their background. But what's a place that you still remember that kind of gave you that kind of cool feel? Yeah, I think it was the, the other end of the spectrum when, when Berm and I were in Los Angeles and went over to St. John Bosco yeah. um, and we watched, we watched the game. So we got to see Court Williams play. That's one reason why, you know, I, I've actually seen him do some of that bullet stuff in person. Uh, but when you walked onto that campus and it was an off date, so Wyatt Davis had flown home. He kind of gave us a little bit of lay of the land out there. We talked to you know him about that program, and so we were there in the afternoon to do some interviews. And we went to their you know game that night, and you just walk around in this place. It looks exactly like a college campus. Uh, you know, it, it's not as large as Ohio State, obviously, or others, but just the way it was structured in their day, and you know their workout facility over here, and the nice you know turf field, and. Yeah, uh, you could tell why that was a program that continues to crank out, uh, you know, four and five star recruits, high level guys, and why Ohio State has made an emphasis to continue to recruit players there. There's, you know, there's more in the pipeline that Ohio State is after out there. So you could tell how well prepared, why Wyatt Davis, why Court Williams, when they showed up on campus, it wasn't unfamiliar to them. So that was pretty cool. In fact, that same trip that we saw CJ Stroud and, you know, <laughs> his program was very different was why he was maybe a little bit under the radar, but he just had this field, like maybe, I don't know, a thousand people could go watch him play. And then there's some of the mountains right behind it. It was a beautiful place, but yeah. it was like, you got you had people out there doing their, so court Williams, like the whole team is in their nice workout gear before the day, uh, Nike stuff. CJ Stroud's got some teammates that had like jeans on for a walkthrough before, you know, a playoff game. And it's like, yeah. they all come from different, this was one trip and in, in maybe, you know, 48 hours uh, for four, both four and five star guys. And, you know, it's, it's all different. Everybody has a different path, but that was a really fun trip. Dude. I keep saying if, if he ends up being the starting quarterback, you know, seems, seems like signs are pointing that direction, but Ryan day is, hasn't declared it yet, but uh, first starting quarterback for Ohio state for, I think from Rancho Cucamonga. I mean, what <laughs> more needs to be said, right? <laughs> the Cucamonga offense. Anywhere. Yeah. Unbelievable. Hey, well, you know, last thing I want to touch on, Drew, just make it really brief because you got to go. Yeah. Um, the transfer portal giveth, the transfer portal taketh away. You know, we've seen Ohio State benefit greatly the last several years, not the least of which was last year, you know, <laughs> starting mm -hmm. backfield with uh, Justin Fields, formerly of Georgia, Trey Sermon, formerly of Oklahoma. You know, Sermon was there for just a year. Justin Fields was there for just two years and stuff. And yet, you know, we see Jameson Williams, like we pointed out on last week's podcast, headed to Alabama. Uh, we see a guy defect from Ohio State and uh, uh, from a transfer, from a uh, commitment standpoint, head elsewhere. We see the kid that Ohio State was trying to lure from Tennessee, the, the linebacker. Everybody, a lot of people thought that uh, he was headed to Ohio State, but he picked Alabama in the transfer portal. Um, that's just kind of life in the modern times, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think that people will take this, it'll be perceived as another win for Alabama over Ohio state. And, 
lump in Jamison Williams and the national title game altogether. And that's, there's nothing you can do about that perception, but they're really three separate cases. Uh, they're not tied together. I mean, Alabama and Ohio State are the two most talented teams in the country. That's why they met each other in January. Ohio State wasn't full strength. I, you know, I don't know now in hindsight if that would have made any difference with how historically uh, gifted that program was. But Jamison Williams, that's not a head-to-head loss to Alabama. Um, and in fact, uh, Ohio State uh, is in great, continues to be in great shape at wide receiver. Not really even a, a true blow to them. Now this one, when losing out with Henry to O to O, that's a position of need. Right, man, let me interrupt you. That's easy yeah. for you to say. Go ahead now. Well, I, you know, if I'm getting it wrong, uh, I won't have to worry about it quite as much as I was at this time a week ago. So the last game of the year this coming year. But go ahead. <laughs> that's right. When until they're back on the field together. Uh, I mean, that one will sting. I, I'd say, I mean, much more than Jamison Williams. Ohio State absorbs that, moves on. Uh, depth is no problem at that position. Obviously, Ohio State needed, uh, wanted to upgrade and enhance the situation at linebacker. Do, can they be fine if they don't add somebody? Yeah, but you're, you're, the talent is going to have to trump the inexperience for Ohio State to be comfortable. And I, I think if there is another option, which I think they will you know, try one more time that with the lines of communication with uh, – no, this one is much even harder. I know I won't get it right, but Pali I Gaio Teote – yeah, uh, that sounds not, pretty maybe, good, though. Maybe I'll have to learn that one. We'll see. This there has been reciprocal interest between both of them, dating back to you know almost as soon as the season ended in January. Uh, he was a five-star linebacker coming out of high school at USC. Uh, you know, hasn't he's not been a five-star for them, but that potential still exists, and he's played in some big games throughout his career. He seemed to be heading towards Texas. My understanding is that he was working under the assumption that, uh, you know, the Tennessee linebacker was going to pick Ohio State and that he needed to look elsewhere. Uh, We'll see if that remains the case moving forward. But uh, when you look in the portal beyond that, the the way Ohio State works is that they they only really want an instant impact player. They're not trying to take someone who could maybe, uh, if things work out exactly right, help them in a year or two down the road. So um, this, if they don't, if they don't work out something with him, I'm not sure that Ohio State will add a, another linebacker in the portal. Yeah. Well, you know, we both know, and we'll get out of here on this, we both know that if people get, if people get healthy in that Ohio State linebacker room, I think they, yeah. I think they get by no matter what happens. Uh, I think you agree with that, yeah. but you're still kind of hanging on people getting healthy and uh, stepping up, right? Yeah, and, that's, and that's, the, that's the key question that Al Washington and Ryan Day will have to answer. Do they have enough faith in a fully healthy – core of linebackers that, that that they don't have to go past the second guy who might be available in the portal uh, and could fit for them, which, you know, I think that that's the side they would choose that enough faith that a healthy Dallas can't, you know, if Taraja Mitchell was ready to take that next step and get fully healthy, you know, what you have with Cody Simon, um, if you're borrowing a little bit from the bullet uh, with Craig Young or Ronnie Hickman or Court Williams that we talked about, you know, that that's enough talent, but the, the thing they'll, they'll have to answer is, do they think that they will make that leap early enough, fast enough uh, in September to help them uh, take the next step defensively? Because that's, you know, 2020 was basically a sure thing for them. You know what you're going to get, all SEC kind of performer, two years of starting experience. Yeah. That you sleep well, you sleep better at night when you know that he can do it. But, um, you know, they will, they, they will likely still bet on these guys and feel good about it if they don't work out something out with the number two option there in the transfer portal. 
Yeah, I was going to say next year's uh, road trip, you and Berm will be will be down through the transfer <laughs> portal. You know what I mean? And where it branches and where it goes and what's pump side because we all know that's what's going. Well, that's what's coming. I mean, like Merm yeah. pointed out after signing day this year on my podcast and other places. I mean, a lot of teams left room for transfer port for transfers. You know, as opposed to signing guys and. uh and definitely that's – Well, I'm not sure how Alabama still has room to keep adding through the portal, yeah. but that's well, a conversation for another day. That's a, that's a wide-open state down there if you follow my drift. But, uh, but I digress. Ladies and gentlemen, another Tim May podcast is in the books. We have landed this thing. I let uh, – as you noticed, I let Awesome bring it in for a real greaser there at the very end. And uh, he's getting better and better. Uh, this time he remembered to put the landing gear down. I appreciate that, Awesome. We're safe. But you know what? Until next week, uh, for Awesome Ward, this is Tim May. We'll see you next week on the Tim May Podcast.